0: teenagers and young adults and cleaning and decluttering or something like that. Um, I am talking to my friend, Connie Albers, who is just a lovely, encouraging person who, when you talk to her, you go, (sighs) um, and she talks about teenagers and we're going to talk about teenagers. Her kids are all young adults at this point. They've all graduated from college and some of them are married. Some of them are not, you know, they're kind of in that stage of moving out for a little while, moving back in, moving out, whatever. Anyway, so we're talking about some of the unique challenges of that and and parenting teenagers. There are a couple times where I think I thought, you know, I need to like clarify that there's nothing that's not correct. I just sometimes feel like Connie thinks I have it more together than I do. Um, so (laughs) I know that sounds goofy anyway. Um, and I can't remember what those parts were now, but if I ever like go "Mm," or don't say anything and you're thinking, um, is Dana acting like she has it all together now? I don't, I I know I don't anyway, but um, I think you're going to love Connie and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Okay, here we go. Okay. I'm here with Connie. Hi, Connie. Hey, Dana. How are
1: you? I'm good. It's so good to see you again. We saw each other. What about a month ago? seems like yes it was wonderful down in downtown Fort Worth right yes Fort
0: Worth so Connie is a friend of mine who uh, you guys know I mean every time I have somebody on the podcast it's because I met him at a conference <laughs> <laughs> but um, Connie and I I needed a roommate one year and she needed a roommate and we kind of were those people who were like, hey, do you want to be roommates? (laughs) Do (laughs) you (laughs) snore? I think I actually really, really do now, but my daughter lies and says that I do, and I'm like, whatever. (laughs) I'll bring earplugs for you next time. um, So, you know, it's funny because I always have that personal insecurity when I have a roommate that I don't, anybody, but especially somebody I don't know, because, especially in the blogging context, because my site is a slob comes clean. So like, what were your thoughts when you found out you were like gonna be rooming with an actual slob?
1: Well, well, I figured it was only for a few days, we can pretty much handle anything, right? (laughs) Well, and that's something about you, is you're very, like,
0: you have a lot of fun, and you're very open with like, hey, whatever y'all wanna do, talk about, great, you know? I mean, so I never felt judged by you, so I appreciate that very much. <laughs> no judgment here, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so Connie is coming on. She has a new book out um, that came out uh, recently. I am recording this ahead of time. I will actually be not doing anything for a week because I'm having surgery, so I'm so excited to like get stuff done ahead of time and like plan on just watching Netflix for an entire week. Is it bad that I'm excited about that?
1: No, I think that's called like super cool. You're going to be ahead of the game, and you're not going to feel guilty when you're, you know, chomping on popcorn and right. watching. <laughs> I mean,
0: the pain and all that kind of stuff. Whatever, but I get to do nothing for a week and not feel bad about it.
1: <laughs> well, and they give you stuff for that, so there you True.
0: go. <laughs> okay, so um, your book is called Parenting Beyond the Rules. I have this fear for you that when people say your book title, they're gonna say what they say with mine, like a similar thing. Like, so with mine it's decluttering at the speed of life, but people will say decluttering at the speed of light, which is actually exactly the opposite, mm-hmm. you know? And I like, I keep wanting to say parenting by the rules, and yet it, that's the complete opposite of what uh, your
1: book is. So anyway, have you had I that happen we, yet? All the time, I mean, yeah isn't it true we all love rules limits boundaries and, and you and i love checklists and you know i love checklists so for me putting up a bunch of rules and limits and boundaries it's just kind of like happy it makes me feel like i'm going to run my home smoothly and everybody's going to be joyful because they and it's can just my opportunity to be perfect right yes I mean. and it doesn't work that way which is why i say beyond the rules mm-hmm. that's that's the whole purpose of uh, what we're doing I mean we we're naturally gonna default to rules and limits and boundaries because it does help decrease chaos but it yeah. it gives us a false sense of you know this is how it's going to work and we forget we're dealing with like humans and humans don't always work that way <laughs> just when like they have these things our house. opinions <laughs> ah and boy do they have
0: them <laughs> Boy, <do they. laughs> so your book well, let's go back I want you to okay. tell
1: me about you and tell me about your family okay so i'm a mother of five now adult children and there was a season in our parenting because we have five children in six years so for your listeners that means we had five teenagers for a lot of years in our home and i am married to a wonderful man we've been married to um, tom is my husband and we've been married for 34 years And so I've just had this wonderful opportunity to kind of come alongside my kids and learn as they were growing and changing. But more than that, I was able to work with teenagers for about 20 years. And I listened. I just intently listened to what they said, what they said about what their parents wanted or wouldn't listen or what they wished they would hear. And for some reason, Dana, I just started taking note, you know, mental note, physical notes, and I'd write down some of the stories they would tell me, not knowing that one day this would actually become a book it was just I was so badly wanted to understand what made them you know flourish and thrive and what made them want to gravitate toward their parents but what made them push away from them
0: well and you know I my daughter at the time we're recording this mm-hmm. has been 13 for less than a week so mm. I officially now have three teenagers This is my phase of life at the time and you this book is about teenagers. Yeah Specifically focused on teenagers and what I find and what I hear is a complaint from a lot of people is um that, you know, nobody talks about the teenage years. Nobody talks about the teenage years. Of course, as a mom of teenagers, I'm like, well, that's because teenagers don't like to be talked about. You know?
1: <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, isn't that true?
0: Yeah. Please don't, you know, put put me out there as being some certain thing because guess what? In an hour they may change their mind about how they want to be portrayed. So, you know, what I am thankful for is that you've made it through that stage and now you're willing to talk about it, you know, because yeah. I, I think that's important, you know, to say that you're not in the middle of it, you have made it through. And this is how you did. it. So we're going to talk about um, just some basics with um, messy kids. You probably didn't have any, I'm sure. Oh, that would be not true. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about messy kids and the relationships and all that. But I want to know, was there a moment, like a specific moment that you can think of when you realized that this book needed to be written by you
1: oh yes my daughter my second daughter of five we were standing in the parking lot of panera bread and i was getting ready to launch a new company my daughter's artistic so i brought her along for the branding and the kind of like the artistic color how did i want to do this and we had met with another graphic designer and we had met with social media strategist To put it all out there. And we stood in the parking lot and she, I remember having my arm laid up on the car and she said, mom, you've done all these really cool things. And she took her right hand and she started making a small circular motion to her left side, kind of like a DJ, you know, when they're doing the whole, you know, (laughs) DJ thing. And I'm like, okay. And she said, you've done really all these cool things BC before children. And then with her right hand, she started making another small circle to the side. And she said, and you're doing all these really cool things now that the kids are grown. And she made this really big circle, Dana, right in the middle. And I'm looking at her like, what are you doing? And she was as serious as she could be. And she said, mom, look at this. And I'm looking at it. Trust me, I'm watching her arm go round and round. I'm like, get to your point. And she said, look at your family, look at what you and daddy have built, look at the relationships we have. And she said, mom, this is what you need to be doing. You need to pour in to other women and help them in their season of parenting. And I, I mean, isn't that what every mother longs for? We don't really ever hear that in the teenage years, unless, of course, they want to, like in, you know, your case, they want the keys to the car, they want to go to a sleepover or a party. And then it's like, mom, you're so wonderful and amazing. (laughs) And we know we're being played but to hear this from a 24 year old who absolutely knew all of your shortfalls and your shortcomings, she knew, you know, the times you were mad at her dad and you guys were fighting. She knew me at my worst, but yet she's saying, look at us. And I thought, Well as a family, as a family. Yeah. yeah. Not because she knew Dana, we didn't do it perfectly. We had, Fights and arguments and we had moments where nobody was really happy especially mom you know the whole thing if mom ain't happy ain't nobody happy Um, so that was a turning point for me that was truly a game-changer I thought this is something I need to pay attention to and I just started down that journey and it's also that permission like we were talking about teenagers don't want to be talked about
0: (laughs) She was giving you permission hey you did something right you need to share with other people because I think that's the thing too is what I love about teenagers is they don't like to be talked about but they love to talk to their friends yeah, about themselves you know so they're sharing among themselves I mean I hear all the time I'm like well you know this is what so-and-so says goes on in her family of course I'm always like just so you know you know, I'm pretty sure that might be a skewed view of what's going on in that family. But you know, so I do, I mean, but I hear that from my kids. And so they, they know what their friends are struggling with. And if, you know, they
1: want you to share that. I think that's awesome. You know, what you said there, I'm just going to caveat from that real quick. What you said there is flat out incredible wisdom, because you're listening to what their friends are saying. And I will tell you right now, and all of your listeners, you will glean more information about your children by getting to know their friends than you will from your children just kind of coming to you. Because you are learning what their friends are struggling with. Their friends know more about them than we really do, and that's an important thing to remember during the teen years. They're trying to grow. They're trying to grow up and pull away and become adults. So it's kind of normal, but they do confide with their friends. So come alongside those friends, and you know, invite them for dinner. <laughs> we have a new sponsor this week,
0: who is Trinova. Trinova creates specialized products for specific surfaces in your home, such as cooktops, glass, and mirror granite, countertops, etc. So far, I have personally tried the multi-surface cleaner, which has a very mild thyme and white tea scent that is quite lovely. And it worked really well. Actually, it worked great. Uh, And I couldn't wait to try out the product I was most excited about, which was the faux leather cleaner. You guys know that faux is the nice way to say fake, right? The cleaner isn't faux, but it's made for leather that's faux, fake leather. Thick leather is a lot more prevalent in my house than real leather, especially on furniture. And there's this thing that happens with furniture in general and happens seems to happen even faster when the people sitting on it are teenage boys who are athletes and sweat a lot, even though I constantly tell them to either put a sheet down before you sit down or go ahead and take your shower, but whatever. Anyway, the headrests get dirty, like really dirty. Like once I was sitting in a spot that's different from my usual spot, And I was wondering, how am I smelling that not good, but not bad, but not good smell of one of my boys. And then I realized I was smelling the headrest behind me. I didn't mean to get gross y'all, but for real. Um, but here's the thing. I was a little paralyzed over how to clean this faux leather surface. I'm like, okay, what? Uh, Anyway, this product by Trinova worked really, really well. Like I immediately followed the directions, sprayed it on the cloth, rubbed in circles, did what I was supposed to do. And y'all, I could tell an immediate difference. I really don't want to talk about what was on the cloth after I used the product on the headrest, but um, at least it was on the cloth and it's not on my couch anymore. Anyway, it made a huge difference. I was very pleased. So check out Trinova at amazon.com Trinova. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Just email them or call them if something goes wrong and they'll fix it. Go to amazon.com slash Trinova and use the code come clean for 20% off your first Trinova purchase. Again, that's amazon.com slash Trinova, T-R-I-N-O-V-A and use the code come clean, all one word for 20% off your first Trinova purchase. Well, I, one of my favorite, I've said this before on the podcast, one of my favorite things that I did not expect to be a favorite thing is that my husband and I have been doing a Sunday night group for ninth and 10th graders for the last Mm -hmm. several years. And we'll have a kid in there. Like our oldest was in there for two years and then our, our middle is in there right now. And then our youngest will be, so it'll about six years we'll have somebody in there. And it's just, it's amazing how much more you get to know your kids when you see them interacting with other people, their age, you know, and, and I feel like it's helped with our trust level too, because I'm there when kids are sharing things, you know, that, Anyway, we're getting off topic here, but I, I think that's been valuable. And I know I've heard you talk a lot about embracing that and making it very purposeful. So, like, this is off script of the questions that we talked about, but <laughs> tell me about you opened up your home, right, to yeah. a young adult Bible study. At what point did you do
1: that, and what was your motivation, and what are the benefits that you saw from that? Um, we started that during the kids' high school years, and we had was always it for been- for high schoolers, or was it, it for older? It was for high schoolers. Now, obviously, there were some middle schoolers and there were some college kids. So we didn't, yeah, we didn't like totally narrow it, but it was primarily for high schoolers. And I provided, you know, three things: food, which they always want to eat, and we had three dishes that we made. That was tacos, um, spaghetti, and chili. They always knew I would cycle those three because they're inexpensive, and I'd make a big ten-pound like thing of it. They always knew there was going to be food. Food is a big draw for kids. Yeah. Then there would be fellowship. So they knew that after the Bible study, then they could play ping pong, or they could play cornhole in the front yard, or do whatever. And that became a time where I got to do what you just said, study my kids. What were they doing? Who did they gravitate to? What were they laughing at? What conversations were they having? How were some of them really paying attention to the needs of others? And then how, how many of them were given more toward hospitality? That lasted for well over 10 years. So because like you, you said, well, we have the first kid in there now, and then we have the second kid coming, and the third kid's going to go through. So we continued that to the very last child was in his second year of college. Um, so the group morphed and changed over time. Sometimes kids would be there for a season. Sometimes kids would be there for a semester. Sometimes kids would be there for a whole year. We, we had no expectations. So we just we just put it out there. We're doing it. Come have fun. And the important thing that we learned from that is that our kids loved that we were given to hospitality. We were modeling something for them that we didn't realize was gonna have such a major impact on their life. And to this day, they still interface with a lot of those kids. And you know them, and you know their history, and you know we their past, and and they're, you're also somebody those kids can come to you in an yeah, issue. Yeah, like know. you just said, they yeah. come to you, and they'll talk to you. Here's what I've learned. Teenagers want to talk to somebody. I mean, look at their phones. I mean, they're blowing up by chatting with people. They want to be known. They want to be heard. Now- They don't necessarily want to be known among parents because that would be the bad kid, right? (laughs) Oh, don't go near that kid. But they do want to be heard, and sometimes their parents may overreact or knee-jerk reaction, and so they don't feel safe. You talked about that earlier. They want to feel safe that their secrets or that whatever they're struggling with is safe to confide with somebody because they do want wisdom, they do want guidance. They don't want to be told what to do, but we want to plant ideas of how they could possibly And then they can take it from there so that's kind of what we found too is all we needed was a set of ears and we would limit our words and they would just open up and share what was going on well and I think too you know I think sometimes when kids
0: will share stuff in a group and my kids get to see me react to that thing that honestly most teenagers are going to make up how they think their parents would react to certain things. My kids will say <laughs> stuff like, oh, you don't need, and I'm like, I have seen it all, kid. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> I have been around the block. Okay. <laughs> you know, but I think that that helps. I mean, I hope it helps in the future for them to kind of have a frame of reference to yeah. that. Kind- anyway, we're getting off track. Let's okay, talk so about get your kids <laughs> being messy. <laughs> yes i love how messy your kids were or
1: did you have kids that were messier than others i did and unfortunately i had a neat freak and a clean and a slob and they had to share a room so that was an interesting dynamic because they were both girls and people have asked me so did you put tape down the center of the room i'm like you know no i didn't do that probably because i didn't want to ruin the carpet or anything (laughs) but (laughs) it was an interesting time here's the truth because i know your audience is trying to figure out, well, what do we do when we have this child who isn't really neat and organized, but we have this child who is, and we feel like we're constantly riding, and complaining and harping on that child who just can't seem to put anything away. My, my daughter, and I'll, this is a true story, and she doesn't mind me sharing it, but my daughter was such a slob. I mean, she, was, she had bigger Slops and more. are
0: wonderful people, by the yes, way. Yes,
1: they are. She had other things to do that were more important. As long as she knew it was, like, in a relative area, she could find it her brain functioned just fine in chaos and clutter. My other daughter's brain could not function without everything being in its place. So you have to parent different. And I remember during her teen years, she came up to me and again, I like to have like, this is your chores on the refrigerator, get them done and check them off. She came up to me in her teen years and she said, mom, I already know what has to be done because obviously they do know they've lived with us forever so they know our expectation and she said I feel like a little kid when you put that chore chart up on the refrigerator or that responsibility chart or whatever your family calls it she said I just feel like you're treating me like a little kid and, and I'm not a little kid I'm a, I'm a teenager now like oh yes of course you are dear <laughs> and she said and she said could we just take that off and just leave that for the little kids? I'm like, sure. And I knew where we were going with this. I took it off the refrigerator and I said, okay, you just be responsible to do what you're supposed to do. And, you know, no problem. Well, of course, you know what happens, Dana, that child gets distracted and it's not as important to them. I am that child, just so we know. I am that child. (laughs) And I had to just kind of let go of that and say, you know what, she does know what I am expecting. She knows the why. I think the big thing is, do they know why this matters? You know, it, it does matter, because it does kind of keep things from being broken and lost and, you know, stuff like that. But the funny part of that whole story is, when she grew up and became an adult and moved out, she moved in with four other female roommates. This was like the parenting, like, moment for me. She said, <laughs> she moved she called me and she said mom these curls are slobs and i'm thinking oh they've really <laughs> got to be bad if you're calling them a slob and she said they don't do the dishes the refrigerator is nasty there's stuff left in there for you know weeks she goes the bathroom this toothpaste is spit in the sink and she goes what do i do <laughs> i'm like that is music to my ears and she said I said, well, what are you gonna do? I didn't solve her problem. I'm like, what are you gonna do? she goes, I'm gonna create a system and put it on the refrigerator so everybody knows when to do it. Well, Data, the fun part is, that was a transition period for her. It happened in her 20s. It didn't happen in her teens. She moved back home, because you and I have talked about this before, sometimes our kids come back, so she moved back home a very different person. There was no more dishes left in the sink. Her room was neat and tidy. She learned to appreciate the value of keeping things in their place. And she decluttered a lot. And I love what you write in your book. Um, she learned the value of decluttering having just what you need for that space person to be able to manage what they have in an orderly format. And she also learned to appreciate with the lessons I was trying to teach her. So when she moved back home, she was back with her little sister who had that point decided having everything in its place wasn't so great because she was very (laughs) busy. So do you know what she did? She put a system on the back of the bathroom door It was like, you clean the bathroom on this day and this day. She's like, mom, what happened to her? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe it's just a phase, but the sweetness of being able to watch them navigate these different seasons of them growing and maturing and slipping and falling and then eventually landing where they see there is some value to this. I think I've decided I want to be x y and z person that was like the sweetest revenge to me it was like you moved in to the very thing you didn't want to be as
0: someone whose mother doesn't have as happy ending of a story as you do (laughs) meaning like (laughs) i can remember maybe coming home from college at one point or when i had an apartment i don't know and doing really good on the first day trying to be an adult you know (laughs) And my mom being like, wow, I can tell you've really changed. And then that didn't last. But anyway, <laughs> but I think you're, I think the key right there though, is ultimately the only thing that's really going to stick is the stuff that they personally decide to make. Absolutely. Priority, you know, and, and so understand it because, because I think we all change at different phases of our life, what matters to us and all that. And, and realizing that, it's not a failure because you didn't feel like you had fixed her before she went and moved in with those five roommates. Maybe that, well, that was the experience that she needed. Now I, not that I am not panicked. I mean, we went and visited the college with my son and I am having those moments of he's going to be the kid that all the other kids are calling their (laughs) parent and being horrible. I mean, I, it scares me,
1: but, Anyway, (laughs) but but here's the deal. Just manage your expectations, Dana. Right. I mean, just don't put your expectations on him. He's going to bump into the sides of the, you know, like in bowling, you know, they have those bumper rails. Mm -hmm. Um, He's going to maybe have a few gutter balls. He may bump into the rails a few times, but the ultimate goal is that you preserve the relationship in the process.
0: Let me tell you about our sponsor, Butcher Box. This month, Butcher Box is offering the ultimate breakfast bundle. This includes two packages of bacon and two pounds of breakfast sausage, all free in your first box. Our bacon, their bacon, is some of the best bacon you've ever had. It's Whole 30 approved, uncured, nitrate, and sugar free. The sausage is a healthy, authentic version of a classic style pork sausage, simply seasoned with salt pepper and sage. Right now, new members will get two packages of bacon and two pounds of breakfast sausage added to their first box for free. Plus you'll get $20 off your first box. Go now while supplies last as this is a limited time offer. Butcher box delivers healthy, 100% grass fed and grass finished beef, free range, organic chicken and heritage breed pork. Each box comes with at least eight to 11 pounds of meat, which is enough for 24 individual sized meals. You can choose from five different box types, all beef, beef and chicken, beef and pork, a mixed box, or a custom box, which lets you choose your own cuts. I personally love getting a butcher box delivery. These are high quality, delicious meats that my family really loves and they're delivered to my door. So I don't live in an area where I have access to anything and everything. So I love that I can get what I need delivered straight to my house and the meats come individually vacuum packed. So all I have to do when the box arrives is stick them straight in the freezer. I don't have to separate anything. I don't have to repack or package. No, none of that. I just take it straight out of the box, stick it in the freezer. It's packed with dry ice in the box when I get it. You can get the ultimate breakfast bundle, that's two packages of bacon and two pounds of breakfast sausage for free in your first box, plus $20 off your first box by going to butcherbox.com slash slob or enter the promo code slob. Again, you can get the ultimate breakfast bundle, that's two packages of bacon and two pounds of breakfast sausage for free in your first box, plus $20 off your first box, just go to butcherbox.com slash slob or enter promo code slob. Your big thing with the parenting beyond the rules is to focus on the relationship. Relationship, 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 which is the same thing that I talk about. What I talk about with dealing with a messy child is from the perspective of the child and a mother who focused on our relationship over her frustration with my messiness. So Mm -hmm. how did your focus on relationship influence your interactions with these messier kids during the teen years before you knew it was all going to be okay? Like, can you give us some examples of maybe times that you either chose to let something go or times that you decided, no, this is the time I've got to dig in and whatever. I mean, how did that focus influence those interactions?
1: Yeah. You know, the big thing is I had to start letting go. Um, I had to start letting go of certain requirements or standards that I thought were very important. And I started saying, you know what, your room isn't going to be like this. I've got to let that go. You're not going to live with me forever. You're going to live out on your own one day, but I want to preserve the relationship, the conversations that we can have instead of constantly harping on you. And then when you leave our home, it be, it's more about, mom always was riding me about this and this. No, I want them to, to talk about, you know, I really kind of boil it down, Dana, to, there was one thing, I think you talk about this in your book about keeping the kitchen sink clean. Mm-hmm. That was really the one thing as I got toward the yeah, it was just crazy with all the children because Jeannie, well, I did say her name, but Jeannie wasn't the only one that was messy. I had a couple of others. <laughs> Poor Jeannie. You just messy. outed her. <laughs> I know, right? Sorry. Your entire listening audience is going to see
0: her. Now Can she's... I ask you a question real quick though? Yeah. Is she the one who's an artist?
1: Yes. That's, yes. See, that, that goes together. Yes, yeah. everything in her life is outside of the box. Yes. She can le- because she's busy focusing on experiencing world and bringing beauty to life. Um, and she sees the others, world differently. Very differently. And w- that's why I was talking about managing our expectations. When we stop and realize that God has a unique purpose and plan for these kids mm-hmm. and it's our goal to help them discover who they are and what they're supposed to be doing, then it takes the, the tra- it takes all like all of the other stuff and puts it in the right perspective. I need to help her develop into the woman she needs to be. I need to give her the opportunity to create beauty through her art. And that means that certain things just might not happen. And it still might not happen. I mean, she doesn't separate her clothes from whites, darks, and and towels. They still all go in the washing machine, but that works for her. Yeah. That works for her. So putting up, listen, so, you know, listen, this works for you. That's fine. If you just, if you're going to be interfacing in this realm, this is just what I need you to do. But in your own area, in in your space, you know, kids got to have their own space, Dana, you know that you're, you're kind of like in the midst of that. Some of your kids need more space than others. Some of them, you know, they don't, they're just, they're just not like that but there was only one area because it was a sanitary area. And it was that you just, if you're gonna use the dish, the kitchen after the kitchen's technically closed, you've got to clean up after yourself because I come down the next morning mm-hmm. and I wanna be able to start breakfast. And that was it. Um, and that became even a struggle, especially when the kids were in college because we talked about you know when the kids get older, it doesn't always change. And then their schedule gets busy and they start working plus school, plus activities, and they don't have the margin. And if your child isn't doesn't have that propensity toward, I just want to be clean and neat and tidy, that's going to be the last thing they think about. Mm-hmm. So you can come alongside them and model to them what it's like just to serve, you know, because really it's a bother to you. It doesn't bother them one iota. So you just kind of go in and I would tidy up the kitchen at the end of the day. If I really saw blatant disrespect or disregard for other family members we'd have to address that yeah
0: so tell me about household responsibilities as teenagers because they do start to get so busy you know one of the things for us is it's not guaranteed everybody's gonna be here every single night for dinner or you know at whatever time so if you say we're gonna have such and such thing on Saturday morning we're all gonna clean somebody's gonna be working or you know, busy or doing an athletic event or something's going to be going on, you know, so how did you manage that kind of stuff as teenagers? Did you get
1: rid of the chore list? I never got rid of the chore list in a, in a technical form because people still needed to know like what needed to be done. But I did get rid of, hey, on this day, we're all working together, you know, many hands make for light work. And yeah. and that was a motto I had. I still believe it when they're when they're younger, but you've got to start letting up. On that and what I did do is say hey listen you have it's Monday this is what I need you to get done by next Sunday I gave them the whole week sometimes they would be doing their things at 11 o'clock at night because teenagers <laughs> you know they like to stay up late anything to you know stay up a little later so as long as you get it done in your time frame um, I even had to start letting up a little on the level that they did it and people are thinking what do you mean did they not technically only washed half a dish no they didn't wash half a dish but i would lower the level of expectation, again, because I had to have understanding. Kids just need to know, we, we understand. We understand what a busy life looks like. And they are trying to be responsible with their school studies, which I would say is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, with their w- jobs, we want them to be at their jobs a few minutes early and not 10 minutes late because they were trying to load the dishwasher. So we would, again, find areas that you can give them flexibility. And the big thing is, bring them in on the conversation. Hey, listen. These are the things that we would need you to do this week. Do you feel that you can handle this? Again, do you think you can handle this? Not technically, are you physically capable in a sense of, have you been trained to do it, but do you have the time in your schedule to be able to effectively do this well? Or what do you think? When you start asking in those questions, you get less resistance because now all of a sudden they feel like they matter in the family, yeah. uh, that you're respecting their time. Does that make sense? Absolutely, I think that's really key. Is
0: to say, you know, these are the things that needs to be that need to be done. What do you have going on this week? Because I mean, how many times do they not tell me until right. right before? Oh, wait, I have such and such. I can't do this on that day or whatever. That's good.
1: Yeah, yeah. and we don't always know what those expectations are. If like if they're in sports or music or theater. Or let's say they're in, you know, they're doing some online classes because they're in high school and they start changing. Everything starts to change or they're at school and maybe the the coach is giving them something or maybe the English teacher is trying to help them with something they're struggling with. We don't know what those folks are asking of them for additional time on their already full schedule and right. That is just a key that as our kids start to adjust, I talk about this in the book, Tana, as our teens start to adjust, a change, then parents need to adjust. That means there isn't a one-size parenting and we don't you know, start with one thing and end with the exact same thing. We have to change, so master the art of the pivot. I'm giving parents permission, it's okay to adjust. It's okay to let some things go. And it might bother you a little bit, but let's think about what do we want when our children don't have, you know, when they're not in our home anymore, when they grow up. And what do we want? And I say, we want our kid to call us and say, hey, when's Thanksgiving dinner? Not, I don't want to go to Thanksgiving. Oh my goodness, it's going to be a mess. There's going to be a ton of dishes. I don't have time for it. No, we want them to be like, FOMO, I don't want to miss out on being there with the family. Right. And I just want parents to get a vision of what their future can look like with what their relationship can look like with their child. And I've seen, Dana, so many relationships broken and destroyed at the hand of unbending rules. Nope, I gave you this assignment. I told you it was going to be done. You didn't do it. Now, you, know, you don't get to go to your game or you don't get to go to practice or something like that. I'm not saying we don't have consequences, but I'm saying get a bigger picture in mind. Take their needs and their desires and their responsibilities into consideration, and bring them part, of, bring them into the conversation. Mm-hmm. I love it.
0: Let's talk about the realities of kids moving in and out. So I do have a kid who shares a room right now who will be going to college. In makes my heart want to stop. But in about a little over a year. But you're only counting. That's only 52 weeks, right? <laughs> no, it's more than that because it's not until after next year. But Okay. Okay, so give me some logistics of how you do that. So I'll just tell you my situation right now is the okay. his brother that he shares a room with is so excited about having his own room and wants to just donate his brother's bed and all of his stuff. So how do you work that I mean do you make it okay this person's leaving but we're gonna go ahead and leave this as a double room that you just get to have by yourself for a while or do you actually like completely redo it and get all
1: that person's stuff out your kids lived at home for college right it did live at home for college yeah. um, and I will tell you I'm glad that you're kind of considering that now um, my I have kids no cast- idea what to do. Just so you know, <laughs> <laughs> my kids started casting lots. I get so and so. You know, I you know we are going to do that. It depends on the child, and that's where again I'm giving parents permission to consider the needs of that specific child. Does that child who has been sharing a room with a sibling for maybe since, you know, they were one year old, do they need that space? Do they need that sense of ownership? Do they need that time to be able to claim something as just theirs? Um, Is there an opportunity to do that? Or, you know, is there no place to store it? I mean, I know you, Dana, you probably toss everything. You're gone out, we're decluttering. (laughs) Well, I really, I also,
0: I want my older one to feel like he has a a home when he comes home for the weekend. So that's where, that's where I'm not sure. And maybe some of my readers can weigh in on this a little bit too, or my listeners, but because I'm just like, well, I don't want him to feel like I don't even have a place in my home.
1: No, you know what? But college kids, when they go away and they come home, depending on the temperament of that child, they're just as happy to sleep on the couch or on the floor or you can take an extra mattress. For many years, Dana, I had just an extra mattress and I literally would have a box spring And a mattress and a mattress on top of that or I would get rid of the box spring and I'd have two mattresses so that when one child would have a friend over or when that child would come back Mm -hmm. uh, after living on their own I would just pull that mattress off that other bed and bam I've got a place for that child to sleep and it's in their same room it depends on the space that you have in your home yeah it depends on the need of the child who might be coming back for a visit and it depends on the need of the child who's been sharing a room. Every child that I had, I treated differently. When my kids started going to college, you know, I had an extra room. Not everybody has an extra room. I just took that extra room, just uh, you know, kind of like dis, disassembled it with my belongings, and I kind of set that up as, hey, this is the room you're going to be in, or I would move the other child out and into that room. Always with the mindset of what is this communicating to each child? Because it's not just one, there's two people involved. How what am I communicating as far as value and worth to each child? And it's gonna be different. Um, like I said, with five different children, I had to do five different things and some of the kids they left the room they didn't mind seeing their brother or sister's bed over there and part of their troph- you know their trophies and ribbons or mm-hmm. you know whatever they you know specifically had over there they didn't care because the other child would be there on weekends or something like that it was a treat for them but other children they viewed it as an opportunity to expand and grow and become like more of an independent adult. And that just involves some conversations, Dana, that you have with your child. What, what are you looking for? What do you What is it you want? Can we do this? Is it even possible? It might not even be possible. And in that case, then you make the best of that situation. And then you talk to them. You don't talk yeah. at them. You don't say, this is how we're doing it. I'm sorry, you don't like it. Why do that when all you have to say is, right, this is what we have this is what we need. Do you have an idea of how we can make this work? Your kids are smart. They can figure out a propose and then say, okay, I will consider what you've said. And dad and I will talk about it if you're married and we'll come up with a solution and we'll talk to you about it. Not just mom and dad are going to lay down the law. It's going to be okay. That's what you're saying. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. okay. Yeah.
0: Because, see, I'm afraid he's going to go, I don't need a bed. I'm never coming back. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: think it's every parent's (laughs) fear. But you know, when they, they, here's a couple of things I've learned about college kids. They're always hungry because they're broke. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a, if you have a full refrigerator and you make dinner and there's some leftovers, they're going to be popping in more often than you think if they're going to college and, you know, in your hometown. Right. Um, and they'll probably bring a friend like a roommate or their dorm buddy. And they'll be like, Hey, come to my parents' house because I know mom's going to have food. That was just a surefire way (laughs) to have them come back around. And the the benefit of that, Dana, is then they get to see the siblings. Because surprisingly, uh, or what was most surprising to me, Dana, is your son is going to be moving towards something. So there's excitement and anticipation, and the anticipation of all this freedom. You know, I can go to a ball game or stay out or whatever without mom and dad like texting me, "Where Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? But your siblings and even you yourself, Dana, might might have a sense of loss or grieving because they're not moving on to something else. It's just like the same old grind plus a few extra chores because now they got to pick up the, they got to pick yeah. up the extra work from the sibling being gone. So, trying to play up to the adult that, you know, because he will be an adult that's moving on. This is really exciting for you. Don't forget your brother and sister. See, they're still here doing the same thing, and they're really going to miss you. Would you please text them? Would you give them a call? Would you try to come home at least once a week for an hour, or maybe come home and take them to McDonald's or something, and I'll treat. Um, Paint a picture for them of what life will be like when they're not there, that they will be missed, there is a void, and... We want to maintain that relationship with them even when they don't have to be there. Right. Okay. I have uh, one last question
0: because I think we've been talking and talking. Um, This was a question that I was asked at a recent speaking engagement last Monday and um, I'm gonna tell you what my answer was but you've actually lived this situation and so I want to know if this was a good answer or not because I always try to deal in actual real life and not hypotheticals and since I haven't personally experienced this you know it's hard for me to talk about so anyway so the question was what about the kids who want to use they've moved out and moved on but they want to use your house as their storage unit so my answer Um, I know you've read some of my stuff, but I'm sure you haven't read all of it. But so like my big concept is the container concept. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that, I'm not talking about like plastic containers. I'm talking about space is limited and the amount of space that you have available determines how much stuff you can keep. And so, you know, current life, the people actually living in the house right now get priority. My advice was to designate this is the amount of space that I have that I can designate to storage for your stuff and still be able to live life the way that I need to be able to live it in my house right now for the people who are living in it. And mm-hmm. in this amount of space, you know, I've got four kids, and so if I divide this space by four and get them each a plastic tub to where it fills up that space, this is the amount of stuff that you can store in my house for right now, maybe not forever because I might need that space for something in the future, but this is the amount of space. So the beauty of giving someone in any situation with clutter, a container is fill it with your favorite stuff first. And then it naturally limits and helps you determine what you love more than we you know what's container worthy. And, you know, cause you can keep anything, you just can't keep it all. So, you know, put your favorite stuff in first, anything that doesn't fit, you'll just need to get rid of. So do you feel like that is practical advice? How do you manage this issue?
1: Yeah. And it was different with each one because you know, kids starting off, they're not starting off with a big old house. They, they usually right. start off with a one or two bedroom or they've got a roommate, so they're limited in their space anyway. But your container method actually works. Um, I would just have my kids, as they were moving out, I would have them make a pile. What they really don't want, now here's the kicker, Dana. Some of the stuff they toss, you might be going, oh, but I remember. <laughs> I don't really want you to get rid of that and you're in there talking them to hold on to that baseball bat or hold on to, the, you know yeah. that jersey because you remember them when they played that game that day and they won and there's sentimental value uh, that they attach and that you actually attach to things that you don't expect because remember this is their childhood this is something you've been heavily invested in uh what we have done is consider the space that they have realistic space not You know, not just, hey, I know you have more space than that. You're just filling with a bunch of your stuff, like additional stuff. And I would say, you know, go through your things. Try to put it all in this. And my kids got two boxes. Mm -hmm. And I know you're thinking, gosh, that's a lot of kids. But they all didn't move out, like, at the same time. So, and I still have some of the girls, some of the girls' belongings, especially my daughter who's a caterer. I still have her catering stuff, but I have her memento stuff, stuff that she wants to give to her daughter. My grandchildren, and she just doesn't have space because they have this squatty little place that they're living in because they're just starting life. So I, I think putting in perspective what they are moving into, what they have available, and what really matters, and that's going to be a decision. Kind of like both of you have, but I, you know, you've been teaching your kids to clutter, to clutter, to clutter. I think that's not going to be a, an issue. For mine, again, they tossed stuff that I wish they hadn't, and they laughed at me because, damn it, you'll kill me. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners. I'm sorry, listeners. We're all going to relate. Go. <laughs> I have been known to go through the garbage and pull out a few things that they trashed because I'm like, oh, no, their grandmother gave them that. Or, We've all done oh, it. We all do that. So yeah. be prepared for the emotional connection that you might not be expecting. But yeah. they can't use your place like a pod. <laughs> I mean, who has that right. kind of space? Right. Um, and, you know, they will quickly start to realize after about a year, I usually have them go back through it and say, hey, is there more stuff you want to get rid of here? And they'll do it. That's uh, a good idea. Yeah. And it's a slow process of them learning that whole thing that you've been teaching. If you're not, like you do it in your home and you teach, your, you teach that, to all your readers and listeners that, you know, listen, if you haven't touched it in X amount of time, then you probably don't need it, toss it. You're gonna be teaching that to them on a beginner level as a young adult. Well, and they're
0: gonna experience it for real. They're gonna experience, I mean, how many times do we all, that's my big thing on re-decluttering is so much easier than decluttering. So have it for that amount of time. And a year is a good thing, you know, celebrate the fact that you've been gone for a year and now look through back through your stuff and get rid of some
1: yeah yeah (laughs) celebration and there might be some things you surprisingly i ended up holding on to longer than i expected and that was the college years because they're they're in college we know that's not their permanent home right so like the christmas ornaments you've been saving up or the photos of them that you want to give them you know their photos when they grow up those were things i hadn't really thought about until my son got married and it was a hard time actually because I gave, I went through all the Christmas belongings and I start, And when he got married for their first Christmas, that was my gift to them was giving my son and his wife all his Christmas ornaments and decorations that had mattered to him over the years same with photos i gave him all his childhood photos i didn't want to get rid of those right away and i didn't want to give them to him when he was in college because they didn't mean anything right certain things our kids start to attach greater meaning to as they move out of the college years and more into a career or adult life and they start to see the value of memories and a sense of photos and christmas world not everything but, you know, my kids tossed all their trophies after they finished college. And I thought, wow. But the reality is, okay, there was, there was wisdom in that. They popped off the little label that said what they had won. They didn't need to actually keep the whole trophy. Oh, that is so but that ha- Yeah, and then we framed it. So then I took all those little trophies they had won and awards they had received, and I put it in, I took it to, you know, like a place, and I created this frame for them. So it had it all. And it wasn't in a box collecting junk it was a frame that they were able to use on the wall that i don't know how long they'll hold on to it you I mean, maybe till they have children maybe you know longer than that i don't know but that was a great way of being able to preserve something they had worked hard for an accomplishment and it reminded them i worked hard for that mm-hmm. um this was a really great game and i use that as a way to inspire them to keep pushing and working hard and learning and I don't know where I got that it's actually my husband because I found a lot of his trophies up in our attic (laughs) and he says I think we can get rid of those like 30 years later I'm like yeah that's probably a great idea well you know
0: we're actually dealing right now with my husband's um, father passed away about a year and a half ago or I don't know time flies anyway and uh, he was just such an eclectic. He loved doing all kinds of stuff. So he was like a state archery champion. And in his adulthood, you know, he was a karate champion. Like he ran in the circles with Chuck Norris and people like that. I mean, so it was like, I mean, this is a huge part of who his dad is. And he has so many trophies. And my husband's like, what do I do with my dad, who passed away at 89, who would be 90 now? What do I do with his trophies? I mean, it's stuff. So I love that idea of popping off the you know, explanation of what it was. I'm totally gonna tell him that tonight. <laughs>
1: That's we did a great that. Idea. We, had, we also did that for um, someone who was in the military, uh, one of our family members. He had all these ribbons and awards and the flag, you know, the flag that they're given. Mm-hmm. Uh, we framed the flag, put that in a dement 3D. What was that? What is that? Yeah, called? they have those a shadow names. box things. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And then we took all his ribbons and medals and we put them in a, in a shadow box type frame. Mm-hmm it made for it makes for great conversation with people come in it's a reminder of his service to his country Mm -hmm. and I thought you know that's that's a great way to do that Mm -hmm. Uh, we've also done that with a lot of my daughter who is a photographer and she has been featured in Vogue Italia she was featured 12 of her images were featured last year in the magazine goodness! so instead of like having uh, we just created these frames and we put them up on, on the wall and they tell a story. So everything is about, does this tell a story? Does it help us to remember something that truly is meaningful for the legacy of our family? You know, Dan, I'm dealing with that right now with my mom. I am not at a point yet where I'm able to get rid of her clothes. Too much sentimental, I remember, oh, she went to Disney in this or she did that. It's a process and I, you do a beautiful job in all that you teach women about decluttering and being organized, you do consider that. And it is a process of learning how and when and letting go and donating and you know, everything doesn't go into trash. Give yourself pad. grace yeah. to take some time with that and to go
0: through the grieving process that I know you're yeah. going through after your mom died. Yeah.
1: And doesn't don't you find that's important? I mean very important. Yeah, so I mean, as your listeners grow and their children grow up and we face the death of our parents and even our grandparents, what is it that we want to cling to and hold on to? And I'll be honest with you, my one daughter, she took a scarf from my mom. You know, she just said, can I have a scarf? Mm -hmm. That just means the world to her. It's something she just wraps herself in, Mm -hmm. and that reminds her of the love from her grandmother. And I thought, man, that's just like a small little memento it's not the silver and the shine and the crystal and all that other stuff but it's, it brings it's, back it's, all the, the happy
0: feelings yeah that's the thing that one item brings back all those feelings that you're afraid of losing if you get rid of yeah all of the stuff you know and just yeah. that whole keep one that's great well yeah. thank you so much <laughs> for talking with me today I want you to tell people again the name of your book and where they can find you to connect
1: with you online Great. You can find my book anywhere major retailers are, like Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, Christian Book Distributor, Amazon. You can. Um, I know many libraries are actually carrying it. You can find me on Facebook at ConnieAlbers.Author, on Instagram at ConnieAlbers, or at my website, ConnieAlbers.com. And uh, we are excited at what God's doing. Your child is a masterpiece in the making, and you need to remember to paint pictures of possibilities. I love it.